0: Welcome to the Improve the News podcast for Thursday, May 11th, 2023, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Adam Clark.
1: And I'm Eric Steiner with a look at today's top stories. Doctors sound the alarm about AI's existential threat.
0: The U.S. says it disrupted a Russian cybercrime network. Imran Khan is indicted on bribery charges. The Biden administration reportedly plans to release migrants as Title 42 nears its end.
1: George Santos pleads not guilty to 13 federal charges. Florida makes sweeping changes to education materials. The EU Parliament considers an AI facial recognition ban. The
0: UK names its first free speech czar. Tucker Carlson announces a Twitter relaunch. And the first baby is born in the U.K. from three people's DNA. In our top story, health
1: experts warn of A.I.'s existential threat. And here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian, Daily Mail, Axios, and the Irish Times. According to health professionals from the U.K., U.S., Australia, Costa Rica, writing in the journal BMJ Global Health, more advanced artificial intelligence could harm millions. The experts called for a halt in its development until the technology is regulated. They argue AI carries the risk of amplifying authoritarian tactics like surveillance and disinformation, can accelerate mass murder via the expanded use of lethal autonomous weapon systems, and could lead to millions becoming miserable as AI takes their jobs and livelihoods. While AI could help diagnose diseases, develop new therapies, and perform menial tasks for patients. Studies have suggested the technologies have discriminated against black patients. And, according to NYU Languine Health's Mark Siegel, could potentially replace, quote, personalized medicine with algorithms. The group also said healthcare risks include, quote, potential for AI errors to cause patient harm, issues with data privacy and security, and the use of AI in ways that will worsen social and health inequalities. Among the broader issues they include are that AI could replace tens to hundreds of millions of jobs over the coming decade, as well as undermine democracy by causing a general breakdown in trust due to schemes like AI-driven deep fakes. The authors also cited a survey of members of the AI industry in which 18% of participants stated they believed the development of advanced yet still theoretical self-improving general-purpose AI— or Artificial General Intelligence, or AGI, would be existentially catastrophic for humanity, with Half saying it would likely become reality between 2040 and 2065.
0: Eric, thank you for the facts. On our first story today, we've got a Narrative A starting off our first round of spins provided by New York Times. Just as drugs can't go on the market without undergoing a review process, AI development beyond what's currently out there should be paused until experts and the public more generally have an understanding of this powerful technology. Scientific experts in multiple fields from across the globe are begging us to take this seriously, and we should heed their warnings.
1: Narrative B is coming from The Guardian. The world is currently in the midst of an international AI arms race, and there is nothing anyone can do to stop it. However, this doesn't mean it will be used for evil, and despite what some in the industry feel, the public should not be fearful. Some countries and companies will pursue bad things with AI, while others pursue noble goals. As AI researchers have said for decades, we should hope and push for those with noble pursuits to use the technology to make life easier, healthier, and longer.
0: And on occasion, we get statistics-based nerd narratives from our friends at the Metaculous Prediction community. They have an opinion on this story, and they think that there's an 85% chance that there will be an event precipitated by AI that causes at least 100 deaths and or at least $1 billion in economic damage by 2032. Okay, Eric. Adam. Hypothetically, what do you think that... If, I mean, they, that's a that's a pretty that's eighty five. I don't think the metaculus prediction community has ever been that high and sure about. Yeah, something. it's scary.
1: I I can't even wrap my head around what that could be. What what could what could possibly? You know what
0: I think it's going to be actually, I, I, and I think it's going to be a combination of both will be a result. It's going to be the realization that we've all been living in AI in the first place. Oh no, that's... there's just you know like the. The curtain is gonna come up and we're gonna we're gonna realize that all the everything we've been seeing is just nothing but a deep fake.
1: It's just one big delusion.
0: It's gonna be like the like the matrix type thing. We're all gonna wake up on our in our paws with no eyebrows. Oh with tubes sticking out of our butts. No eyebrows. No eyebrows. Wait a minute. That's the contingency plan for AI. (laughs) That's the first thing to go when AI takes over. So whenever you're if your razor like kinda when you when you get that new Wi-Fi razor. If it kind of goes a little haywire and starts aiming for the eyebrows, that's when you need to be worried that uh, AI is starting to take over.
1: Yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that one.
0: Yeah, you'll be on the lookout all right. (laughs) (laughs) Want to help us improve the news? Go to www.improvethenews.org forward slash pod. Take a quick survey and tell us what you think. Now back to the news. The U.S. government says the FBI has disrupted a Russian malware network. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Justice, Reuters, ABC News, CNN, and the NSA or the CSS. The U.S. Department of Justice said on Tuesday that, together with the FBI, the NSA, and partner intelligence agencies from abroad, it executed a court-approved operation to disable a premier Russian spying tool That allegedly infected computers in at least 50 countries and resulted in the theft of sensitive documents belonging both to governments and other entities. The FBI's technical experts identified the malware used by Russia's FSB security service, reportedly dubbed Snake. The infamous hacking group known as Turla, made up of FSB spies, is reportedly being tracked by the private sector. The FBI's Operation Medusa, Sought to disrupt the Russian network, and it used the recently developed Perseus tool to successfully neutralize the snake after a Brooklyn judge granted authorization to secure remote access to infected computers. The FBI collaborated with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York, or the EDNY, along with multiple foreign governments to take down the malware network attributed to a unit within the FSB's Center 16. U.S. officials say the defunct network is one of the world's most sophisticated hacking tools. A senior FBI official said the operation would make using the hacking instrument difficult and untenable for the FSB. Meanwhile, in a separate statement from the NSA, the agency, alongside the FBI, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and intelligence agencies from Australia, Britain, Canada, and New Zealand, issued a joint cybersecurity advisory notice. The NSA said the notice provided background on snake's attribution to the FSB and provided technical recommendations for system administrators to protect against snake-related malware. Adam, thank you for the facts of that story. Our first
1: spin is an anti-Russian narrative coming from the official website of the U.S. Department of Justice. The U.S. government has been able to deal a brutal blow to one of Russia's most prominent and sophisticated malware networks that have terrorized computer systems for nearly 20 years. Russia relies heavily on cyber attacks and espionage to steal sensitive information from the U.S. and its allies in NATO, with the snake having been one of the FSB's most powerful tools. Today's advisory now neutralizes the Russian malware and puts an end to some of
0: Russia's key dirty tricks. And CNN has provided us with a pro-Russia narrative. The greatest perpetrator of malware attacks to steal information is the U.S., along with other Western countries, which use their malicious networks to provoke war. The U.S. has been using Ukraine network infrastructure to employ novel cyber weapons against Russia just as it's using Ukraine as its vessels to launch an actual war on Russia. The FSB is on to the West's hacker attacks and will bring the perpetrators to justice. The establishment critical
1: narrative comes from NBC News. This alleged bust only gives a sneak peek into the surveillance capabilities available to governments worldwide. While this may be a sophisticated Russian operation, we can only assume that the U.S. has equally powerful cyber espionage tools. It's an unsettling time to be online amidst a panopticon of
0: shadowy state actors. And the nerds at Metaculus have an opinion on this story. They think there's a 20% chance that there will be a U.S.-Russia war before 2050. So buy your tickets now while they're still cheap. Get yourself a good seat for that Russia-U.S. war. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know. I wonder if
1: they have box seats. Hey, um I was looking up uh, these uh, special operations by the FBI. One is named Perseus and one is named Medusa. I was just
0: looking at the names. I love it. I was
1: looking at that up. Uh Perseus beheaded Medusa.
0: That's right. And you know what and you know what Medusa's head was made out of? Snakes. Snakes. It's like they planned this or something. You would think so. It's it's really cool when like the people that are running F- the FBI are like our age because they were into like Clash of the Titans like we were when we were kids. <laughs> They're like oh it's named after it Clash I of the know. Titans guys. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> News coming from Pakistan as Imran Khan has been indicted on bribery charges. And here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, op India, South China Morning Post, BBC News. CNN, and Associated Press. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan was indicted Wednesday for allegedly selling gifts given by foreign dignitaries from Pakistan's gift depository without disclosing the assets to the Election Commission. The indictment is part of the Toshkana case, which refers to the state repository, and dates back to an August 2022 lawsuit filed by the Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz. The lawsuit claims Khan and his wife retained 112 gifts from his tenure, spanning August 2018 to December 2021. Last October, the Election Commission of Pakistan found Khan guilty of selling the gifts and banned him from holding public office until the next election. Khan has denied all charges. Wednesday's indictment comes just one day after paramilitary troops arrested Khan in another corruption case, accusing him of illegally transferring land on behalf of Al Qaeda University, sparking outrage amongst Khan's supporters throughout Pakistan. Khan's lawyers say their client was placed on, quote, physical remand for eight days following the court hearing, where he was tortured and beaten all night. Videos showed troops breaking a window to capture the ex prime minister and escorting him into a vehicle. Protests continue to get out of control, with police having arrested 945 Khan supporters in the eastern part of his home province of Punjab. The government has also suspended internet service in Islamabad and other cities while vowing to crack
0: down on unruly protesters. Thank you, Eric. We've got a few narratives here, starting off with Narrative A provided by Vox. Khan has been mirrored in controversy and scandals for years, and the mounting evidence is too much to ignore. Khan has used his power to subvert democracy, including his attempt to dissolve parliament to escape the no-confidence vote that ousted him. Now he's using his platform to bring Pakistan to the brink of civil war by urging his supporters to commit violence. Khan is a danger to Pakistan, and his corruption is finally being exposed. Narrative B is coming from
1: Middle East Eye. Democracy in Pakistan is dead, and Imran Khan is the sacrificial lamb. Though he's extremely popular amongst the Pakistani people, global powers, notably the U.S., want him removed from public life and disqualified at all costs. Because he refused to act as a puppet, Khan was first wrongly removed as prime minister in a coup, and now he's being arrested to make sure he can never represent the will of the people. This is a very sad day for all of Pakistan and democracy at large
0: you know it would help out the situation what muppet insurgency
1: <laughs> oh yeah who who would be the leader of that thing i
0: just got to be the it's got to be electric mayhem you know dr teeth he's always he's, he keeps that uh, that chaos just like can check and focus i was thinking about animal that's why animal's on a chain
1: oh yeah you know yeah.
0: animal's not a leader he oh, he, that's he true. you know he's a he's like uh, he's a tool animal is a tool,
1: <laughs> he's, a tool. <laughs> he's a
0: tool he's a tool So, you know, so I I think it it would change that very sad day in Pakistan. It would make everybody happy.
1: Yeah, maybe so. It'd
0: make for a good movie, I think. Yeah, I think it would, too. Muppet Coup? Muppet Coup. (laughs) In a recent report, the U.S. plans to release migrants as Title 42 comes to an end. Here are the facts as agreed upon by NBC, Fox News, Reuters, and Newsweek. Following a surge of more than 11,000 migrants crossing the southern border on Tuesday, the Biden administration is reportedly working on a memo to instruct Customs and Border Protection to release migrants into the U.S. without court dates or the ability to track them. The administration had previously released migrants without court dates to prevent overcrowding in March of 2021, but had enrolled them in a program known as Alternatives to Detention. This required migrants to use a mobile app until they were given a court date. This reportedly comes within the parameters of a 2022 memo to release migrants to city streets if nonprofits are over capacity, which was uncovered during legal proceedings initiated by Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody last year regarding the sunset of Title 42. A Department of Homeland Security spokesperson said the new policy will apply only to carefully vetted migrants. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Moyarkis said the migrants released under this policy represent a small fraction of those crossing the border and that the vast majority will be addressed in our Border Patrol facilities and our ICE detention facilities. Thousands of migrants are crossing into the U.S. this week before Title 42 expires and a new regulation takes effect that could limit those who cross illegally from seeking asylum. The Biden administration is set to lift Title 42 on Thursday in conjunction with the ending of the national COVID public health emergency.
1: Thank you for the rundown, Adam. This story has generated two different spins, the first one being the Democratic narrative coming from NBC News. While at face value, this new policy may scare people. In reality, reducing overcrowding in immigration facilities is a legitimate public health issue. The Biden administration is doing its best to address this overwhelming surge in immigration in a safe and responsible way. Quickly processing properly vetted migrants in order to alleviate overcrowding in ICE facilities is the responsible thing to do.
0: And Democratic narratives are typically followed up by Republican narratives, and we have one here provided by the House Oversight Committee. No matter what the Biden administration may say or do to save face, the crisis at the southern border is its fault. Biden's radical open border policies have created crisis, and the planned expiration of Title 42 is going to turn the crisis into a catastrophe. The ending of Title 42 will only push an already overwhelmed system over the edge. Biden's immigration policies aren't just dangerous and irresponsible— they're un-American and will wreak havoc across the U.S. Do uh, you have any big party
1: plans celebrating the ending of the national COVID public health emergency? Oh, I'm
0: doing, um, we're going to have a mask burning. Mask burning ceremony? That sounds fun. That's something. Heck yeah. But uh, you have to have the, the N94 mask only. Are you going to, like, not wash your hands before you start the fire? <laughs> not only that, I'm, I'm licking my hand. And I'm slapping people in the face. When you, when you get in, you give me your mask with the burning. Okay, I lick my hand. I slap you in the face. Right. And then I send you on your way.
1: In our next story, Representative Santos is facing 13 federal charges. And here are the facts as agreed upon by Wall Street Journal, USA Today, PBS NewsHour, NBC, BBC News, and CNN. U.S. Representative George Santos, Republican of New York, on Wednesday was arrested on 13 federal charges, seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the U.S. House of Representatives. According to the Justice Department, Santos transferred money from political donors to pay for personal expenses applied for and received $24,000 in unemployment benefits even though he was employed at the time, and lied to the House about his financial condition. Santos previously gained national recognition for fabricating parts of his resume and personal history, including lying about having Jewish ancestry, a Wall Street background, college degrees, and a career as a star collegiate volleyball player. Santos pled not guilty at a Long Island, New York courthouse and was released on a $500,000 bond. He had to revoke his passport and submit to monitoring, and his travel outside of New York and Washington, D.C. must be approved by the court. In February, Santos stepped down from two House committees, claiming he did not want his presence to be a distraction. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, said he will review the charges before determining if Santos should be removed from Congress.
0: Eric, thank you for the facts. On that story, we're going to start off with a Democratic narrative spin provided by MSNBC. Don't expect Santos, whose term is already off to the worst start in congressional history, to face any political consequences. Republicans decided it was more important to preserve their narrow majority in the House than to hold him accountable when Santos was initially exposed as a habitual liar, so it's unlikely they'll take a stand against him now that he's facing criminal charges. Very sadly, the GOP puts power before morals, and Santos will likely still be in power. Counter that with a
1: Republican narrative coming from Town Hall. Santos might have his faults, but he's no different than corrupt Democrats who serve alongside him in Congress. The federal government has had it in for Santos from day one. And it seems the FBI had someone from his office ratting him out. Santos is entitled to due process. And if he's convicted, Republicans will follow a thoughtful process. This should not turn into a political witch hunt.
0: I, I see this. This has the makings for a Broadway musical. What do you think they'll call it? Oh, gosh. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Starring John, uh, John Lovitz <laughs> as George Santos. <laughs> News out of Florida as that school system rejects 35% of social studies textbooks. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Tampa Bay Times, New York Times, The Hill, and Politico. The Florida Department of Education on Tuesday announced it rejected 35% of social studies textbooks that were submitted. This announcement comes after the state worked its publishers to revise many books before approving 66 out of 101. Previously, the department had rejected 82 textbooks over what was considered, quote, inaccurate material, errors, and other information that was not aligned with Florida law. The state listed on the department's website several examples of rejected material from the textbooks, including a passage that was deemed, quote, not age appropriate, about why some citizens choose to take a knee during the national anthem, and a change to a section on socialism in a book for middle schoolers. A section about social justice which mentioned Black Lives Matter and the 2020 killing of George Floyd by police was removed from one middle school textbook. The textbook approval process has received more attention since Florida Republic Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Stop Woke Act last year. The act prohibits the teaching of concepts that make students feel responsible for past wrongdoings because of their race, Sex or national origin.
1: Adam, thank you for the facts of that story. Our first spin is a Republican narrative coming from Washington Examiner. DeSantis is laser focused on making sure students in Florida get educated without being indoctrinated by any specific ideologies or inaccuracies that some on the woke left want to peddle to children. The state acted reasonably in working with the publishers to make sure the textbooks adhered to state law and will continue to do so moving forward.
0: And that's followed up with a democratic narrative provided by Washington Post. DeSantis is doing a disservice to students and teachers by limiting what can be learned and taught in Florida schools. This mass rejection of social studies textbooks comes on the heels of the expansion of the law banning the teaching of gender identity and sexuality and the establishment of restrictions of what can be taught about race and racism. These policies, do the opposite of educating Florida's children and set a dangerous precedent. All of the social studies books I've heard uh, that they're being used now is just all published by Highlights Magazine. Oh, is that right? That used to be my favorite, too. Love that magazine. And Bible Fables uh, books that you would find in dentist offices. Right, absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. Bible
1: Fables. Turning our attention to the European Union as they consider an AI facial recognition ban. And here are the facts as agreed upon by Associated Press, The Guardian, Your Active, EU Observer, and Time. A European Parliament committee is set to finalize its landmark Artificial Intelligence Act on Thursday before sending it for discussion between member states, Parliament, and the 27-member bloc's Executive Commission. Yet to be finalized is a proposal to ban the use of AI facial recognition technologies in public places, including matching faces with images from the Internet, It would also ban using AI to identify emotional states based on facial expressions and predictive policing. The center-right European People's Party is set to oppose the facial recognition ban, citing potential uses for fighting crime and terrorism, with members voting on that proposal separately from the others in the act. Exceptions will be made for medical and therapeutic use of the technology rights groups have criticized the wording of the measure for potentially allowing AI to be used against migrants through location-based predictive policing, with Amnesty International arguing they would not be protected from AI-induced harm to the extent EU citizens will be. The AI Act has been two years in the making, with lawmakers working to expand its scope after the release of ChatGPT. The Act, one of the first pieces of AI regulation in the world, would also require companies to disclose copyrighted materials in their large language models. The act is expected to be passed by 2024, at the latest before a grace period, to allow companies to adapt to the new regulations. Entities could be fined up to 6% of their global revenue if found in violation of the act.
0: All right, Eric, that story has generated a couple of narrative spins, starting off with a narrative A provided by EDRI. The use of AI facial recognition could push mass surveillance to never-before-seen heights and risk severely violating human rights, discriminating against ethnic minorities and migrants, and ending privacy as we know it. It is imperative that the facial recognition ban makes it into the final draft of the bill with all applicable loopholes closed. Narrative
1: B comes from the conversation. It would be wrong and reactionary to ban all forms of public biometric surveillance by making judgments based on technology still in its infancy. There are real steps that can be taken to address the public's fears. And it would be wrong to rob law enforcement of such a valuable tool. Dangerous criminals could be off the street and missing persons returned home in record time thanks to this
0: technology. And we're going to wrap this story up with a nerd narrative that says there's a 50 percent chance that an algorithm will be able to predict the big five personality traits of a person from a naturalistic photograph or video after December 2025. And that's according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. You know what? That in and of itself is crazy. I can't believe they would have a technology that that can do that. What is what are the big five personality traits? I mean, color me dumb. I I'm, I don't know, but I mean, is that that wasn't something in the story, was it? No, no, but I mean, that's the first I've heard of some technology like that. What is a big five? Per, it's entitled. I mean, it's a it's capitalized. Big five personality
1: traits. Let's uh, figure that one out. Hang on. Okay, here we go. We got openness to experience. Oh. Consci- conscientiousness. Okay. Extraversion agreeableness and neuroticism so so it's saying that there's an algorithm
0: that's going to be able to predict a, that a person will do this Th- or what that a
1: person is one of those traits
0: or has those traits out of a photo out of a
1: damn photograph
0: this is getting too close to like minority report. yeah they're going to be able to predict like oh this person's going to commit a crime in in three years from now we know exactly when and how they're going to do it we should stop them now right uh that's creepy that's crazy. i know News out of the U.K. as Prime Minister Sunak names his first free speech czar. And here are the facts as agreed upon by The Telegraph and The Times. U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has reportedly appointed Cambridge philosophy professor Arif Ahmed as the country's free speech czar to combat cancel culture at universities. This is the first position of its kind in the nation. Ahmed, whose new role is being established under the Higher Education, or Freedom of Speech bill, which is circulating throughout Parliament, argued last year that a university should be an environment where you can say pretty much anything you like and other people can say whatever they like as well. The new free speech czar will have the power to investigate universities and student unions in England and Wales that wrongly restrict debate, as well as advise the sector regulator on imposing fines for free speech breaches. The legislation requires universities to actively promote freedom of speech, which extends to student unions, and will set up a new complaints system operated by the Office for Students, or the OFS, to review claims of suppression. Sunak promised to tackle woke nonsense during last summer's leadership election campaign and it's likely that senior government officials are eager to set up Ahmed's position as quickly as possible so it has an impact before the next general election. Adam, thanks for the facts of that
1: story. We have a left narrative coming from BBC News. Free speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences, which is what this new so-called speech czar will try and impose. The national student unions already promote and protect free speech, But the UK's right-wing government wants to go further and strip professors of their autonomy in the classroom. This is reactionary and regressive.
0: And then there's a right narrative provided by Express. The woke mob has overtaken the UK, and it's time for the government to end this era of anti-free speech tyranny. Students shouldn't be suppressed or demoted simply for their opinions, and these professors, backed by aggressive student mobs, won't change their ways until the prudent government oversight forces them into promoting the foundation of higher education. This is about the free and unfettered exchange of ideas. What the story doesn't say is that the free speech czar
1: is going to be sharing an office with the soup Nazi.
0: And they're handing out free speech breaches to the first 100 guests.
1: <laughs> it's a grand opening special. Yeah,
0: get, come get your free speech breaches. One size fits all.
1: In our next story, Tucker Carlson plans to relaunch his show on Twitter. Here are the facts as agreed upon by New York Times, CNN, Washington Post, Axios, Voice of America, and Reuters. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson is reportedly in talks to relaunch his show on Twitter after being pulled off the air from Fox News last month. In a video posted to the platform on Tuesday, he stated that his show is coming back soon in a, quote, new version, this time on the social media site. Praising Twitter, he stated, Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it was enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there are not that many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining is Twitter, where we are now. It's unclear how Carlson decided to bring this content to Twitter. However, a video he posted in late April, days after his firing, garnered more than 80 million views a number which reportedly impressed him and the people in his orbit. His announcement comes after, earlier in the day, Carlson's lawyer reportedly sent a letter to Fox News accusing it of a breach of contract in relation to, among other things, the leaking of his private communications. Carlson still has a contract with Fox until January 2025, during which time he's barred from working for or starting a rival show. Carlson's outspoken conservative views made his primetime show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, the highest rated cable news program in the 25 to 54 age demographic on the most watched U.S. cable news network. Fox News ratings sank after his departure. Musk said he hasn't signed any agreement with Carlson to create content for the platform, and he's subject to the same rules and rewards of all content creators.
0: Thank you for the facts, Eric. We've got a right narrative to start off our round of spins provided by the Daily Wire. This announcement is good news for anyone who believes in free speech. Twitter has long been a place where the national conversation incubates and develops. It's not a partisan site as membership is open to everyone. Anyone who would try to silence Carlson and prevent him from speaking with his audience would be launching a direct attack on democracy.
1: Counter that with a left narrative coming from New Republic. In what is truly a nightmarish partnership, Elon Musk is giving Tucker Carlson a hot mic on Twitter. Carlson will land in a spot where he'll be more ideologically comfortable and where he won't be hindered by editorial standards or legal liability. This is just further proof Musk wants Twitter to be his own personal echo chamber. And this is a dangerous collaboration.
0: He's kind of in an interesting situation here with Fox considering that he's still under contract with Fox until January 2025 and i think legally they can actually like hold out and not let him have a show anywhere else for a year and a half
1: yeah yeah he signed it on compete
0: does does that contract null and void if fox is the one that let him go
1: i'm just wondering if because twitter is not a mainstream broadcast network that i wonder if that's a loophole
0: kind of interesting to see how this story is going to unfold that's for sure yeah we'll have to wait and see on that one And our final story returns to news out of the U.K. where the first baby has been born with the DNA from three people. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Guardian, The National, Independent, Daily Mail, and iNews. The first baby with DNA from three people has been born in the U.K. through a special in vitro fertilization procedure known as mitochondrial donation treatment, the Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority confirmed on Tuesday. Though it didn't reveal identities due to confidentiality, the authorities said the number of the first three-parent babies is less than five in the UK as of April 20. The procedure uses a small amount of DNA provided by a female donor to create healthy embryos free from mitochondrial mutations mothers carry. The treatment, which takes around 0.1% of DNA from the donor, is expected to prevent children from being born with mitochondrial disorders, including muscular dystrophy. Meanwhile, as the baby has a full set of chromosomes from both parents but carries the donor's healthy mitochondria instead of the mother's faulty ones, the second mother has no real genetic link nor legal rights to the child. The world's first three-parent baby was born through MDT in 2016 in the U.S. However, the boy still carries traces of his mother's defective mitochondrial DNA.
1: Adam, thank you for the facts of this interesting story. We are going to look at our first spin. It is Narrative A coming from Daily Mail. Since this technique allows a mother to prevent passing on defective genes in the mitochondria to her child, the breakthrough is good news for families who have lost multiple children, To inherited mitochondrial diseases while it needs to be monitored closely and carefully the
0: treatment is highly regulated and provided safely and ethically and a narrative b provided by technology review while this procedure is designed to prevent mitochondrial diseases it isn't without risk besides the possibility of defective dna replicating better than healthy dna changing the child's genetic composition will likely increase the risk of later health problems such as cancer or diabetes also it could dangerously open the door for designer babies where parents can pick and choose preferred genetic characteristics for their child
1: and the metaculous prediction community is giving us a nerd narrative for this story they say there's a 50 percent chance that at least 84 gene edited babies Will have been born worldwide by the end of the year 2029. Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Thursday, May 11th, 2023.
0: Each day, we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 1,000 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on, and the key narratives where the articles differ.
1: For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download the Improve the News app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Adam Clark, I'm Eric Steiner, inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News.